You are listening to A Taste of Romamu, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Romamu, please visit romamu.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Something happens every year. Part of the calendrical choreography of the Jewish calendar is that we, we move immediately from a place of deep mourning on Yom HaZikaron, a day of remembrance. Israelis have a real memorial day where they honor the fallen soldiers and all of those who have been killed. And they move in this, this incredibly intense shift from that place of, of deep mourning and sadness into a place of celebration, Yom Ma'ut. I was on the phone today with a woman in our community who lost her brother to cancer about a month and a half ago when she was eight months pregnant. And this past week, she gave birth to a baby boy. Can you imagine? Being able to hold both of those places both the intense sense of absence and the overwhelming sense of ecstasy. Our Torah now and then, every couple of years, invites us into a similar exploration of these two moments. When it has a conversation between two parshiot, two parshiot that sometimes come together, sometimes aren't, and this Shabbat, they are together. Tazria Mitzora. Tazria is... The name of the first parsha and the second is Mitzorah. And Tazria essentially is the beginning of the Tazria is the after effects of a childbirth, women's childbirth. There's a, the effects on, of Tumah, the category of, of ritual impurity and ritual purity. And then tomorrow morning we'll deal with Mitzorah, basically a skin disease of some on mysterious source. We don't know exactly what it is. That will be taken care of, thankfully, by our bat mitzvah, Isabel Harrison Bregman, tomorrow when she teaches Torah. But tonight, Tazria. The word Tazria itself is, is an odd locution, and it, it is the source of the first question that is always on the minds of the commentators when they discuss the first couple of verses. By Daber Adonai El Moshe Lemur, and being spoken to Moses, saying, Daber El Bene Israel Lemur, speak unto the Israelites, saying, when a woman becomes pregnant, and the word here for pregnant is very odd. Tazria, when she becomes inseminated, or when she inseminates as it were herself, when she is the source of the zera, of the seed. There's a Hebrew word that would be much easier, ki. Isha ki when a woman would just give birth, if a woman gives birth. But it's read this strange word, Isha ki tazria. So first question, why tazria? Is there any significance to this particular word in describing the scenario? And then the scenario continues, if it's a male child, there's a certain number of days that uh, after childbirth where the, where the woman who has given birth is in a state of ritual impurity, what's called tum'ah, and then with a, 
a girl child, it's a different number of days. I'm not going to go into that tonight. But then at the end of that, those two periods, or one period, whatever it is, there's a ritual where this person is invited back into the camp. And in order to be invited back into the status of ritual purity, she must bring a korban, she must bring a sacrifice. And one of the sacrifices is called echad chatat. She must bring a sin offering or a chatat offering, which of course is our next big question. What is the nature of this chatat? Is there anything that's actually gone on that's wrong? Is there any sin as it were? For the Torah, we need to understand that for those who wrote the book of Leviticus, Vayikra, the Mishkan was intended to be a place of radical stability in an unstable world. One of the most important words for the authors of Vayikra is the word lehavdil, or separation. And like the divine creator in the Genesis story who is dividing heaven and earth, waters above and waters below, days from each other, in the mind of the authors of Leviticus, the way to contain chaos is to create separations. We, of course, know that death in their worldview was the ultimate instability. The dissolution of any order was compounded in their associative mind with death. If you came into contact with death, that itself rendered you not bad, but impure. The moral category of bad and good is not actually operative in the book of Leviticus. And in some sense, to be Tameh, to be someone who has come into contact with death, in some very deep way is to say that you have now, this person is in the intermediate stage between life and death. The person has touched the liminality and the transitional space between the world of order and the world of chaos. What better proof is there that there isn't any moral affixing to these categories than in this week's reading? You won't find a religion that is more pro-life in the sense of children than Judaism. It would make no sense for the Torah to come and say that someone who gave birth would be considered bad on any level, but rather having come into contact with blood and with the, the radical anxiety in the ancient world of what might take place during birth. We take for granted, of course, that birth happens, right? The birth rate here and the safety of birth mothers in our country is phenomenal. But a mere 150 years ago, that wasn't the case. And imagine 2,000 some odd years ago. And so for a woman to come into contact with that moment is in some very deep sense to have entered into a place of radical instability. And so, the question about the chatat can't be one. The sin offering cannot be that there's something that has gone awry. But, say the rabbis in reading into this reason for a chatat, for a sin offering, the simple meaning, by the way, academic scholars, the simple meaning of the chatat isn't that it was a sin offering, but it is a purging. It's from what the chitet means to empty, to decontaminate. But there is a thread within the rabbis that say that there is something that went amiss. What happened? So the Midrash says that when the reason why a woman has to bring this sin offering is because 
in the intense pain of childbirth, perchance she might have sworn, never again. Could it be in the heat, in the intense colors and, and to some degree the, the otherworldly experience of giving birth, that in that moment says, Chazal, say the rabbis, maybe she made a shvua, she swore, I won't have sex with my husband, I'm done. I'm amazed that men are also smiling because I think that, yeah, we're all smiling, we're all laughing. But something very profound, if we were to remove the moral category that unfortunately the rabbis have placed here, and think about it for a moment for ourselves, what they are really saying. I think what they're really saying isn't that heaven forfend, we're going to punish someone for imagining that they wouldn't want to go through a, that kind of painful experience again. But then on a deeper level, each and every one of us knows that it's very difficult when you're in pain. It's very difficult when something is broken. It's very difficult when an experience is overwhelming. It's very difficult when even when something is life-affirming as childbirth comes along and it is so full of pain. It's very difficult to imagine a future beyond that pain. It's very difficult, as it were, to rebuild or to promise ourselves that in spite of the pain, there will be another that to get stuck at the place, say the rabbis, where creativity or birth or the next stage in life or whatever it is that's coming our way is held back by a promise, explicit or implicit, that because of this pain, I'm done. It could be a relationship. 20 years, 30 years, someone can, can hide a promise that they made in the heat of a very intense relationship that says, if it's going to be like this, no. No, thank you. It can be so many different things. It can be our friend who lost her brother, who says, you know, love isn't worth it. Family isn't worth it. This synagogue isn't worth it. You name it. You name the place where the brokenness has taken place, and each and every one of us can cop to the truth that a part of us says, you know, no thank you. So along come the rabbis and they say, you know, if the interruption in your life that was this child creates chaos for you, bring a sin offering, bring a cleansing offering, bring something that will, as it were, reset the table. Many people in this past week come to me and they say, you know, I can't stand the conversation around Israel in synagogues around the country. Either they're hurt on the right or they're hurt on the left. The rabbi said something in shul and I, I'm never going back. I went to Israel and I can't... Mm, so many places in our lives where we have a little moment of some disappointment, of something that doesn't meet our expectation, and we make a promise, I'm not going back. The truth of the matter is, is that we don't like it, but each of us has our heart broken many, many, many times in one life.
at some point in our journey, whether it is younger, older, we have a choice about what to do. Whether it's through illness, the loss of a job, a derailment of a dream, maybe through death. One mysterious truth keeps me going, and I think it's what the Torah wants us to know. That at the point where that pain is intense, at the point where that disappointment is alive, that we come out of those places if we dare to enter them stronger, more resilient, more able to live our lives with the vitality that is our birthright. I know this truth, and you do too, because when we've had our hearts shattered, when we've been at the lowest point, when I myself have thought to myself, there's no way I'm getting up from this, it can't be, I'm definitely not going to try this thing again. If I take a deep breath and I step in, I know that I find resources that I didn't imagine I had. Somehow something invites me into the holy sanctuary and says, here, do this, start again. And there I am. So first important thing to remember when contemplating having another baby. <laughs> you have to accept the weather, says Mark Nepo. Accepting the weather means realizing that we will be broken and that that isn't pessimistic, but that a wholehearted acceptance of the unfolding nature of life is what's required. You may find yourself alone without the person you thought you'd spend your life with. You may become sick. There's no way to know. I was just up in upstate New York with a woman who had gone through so much in her life and she finally thought, now I'm in the clear. And she goes one day to the hospital and she has an inoperable brain tumor. And she's sitting with me in her radical beauty. And she's still going to live. She's got... And she keeps saying to me, I'm learning, I'm learning, I'm learning. Accept the weather doesn't mean become a pessimist. It means make sure you bring a raincoat. <laughs> and the second thing is lean into that place. Lean into that place means when we are broken wide open, we don't have to try so hard to keep up the boundaries and the sense of separation. Things that we thought mattered don't matter. And this allows us to touch and be touched more directly. Along the way, we are broken open like seeds bearing fruit. Like seeds bearing fruit. The mystery of Isha ki Tazria, the word Tazria means seed. And the woman who is broken open like a seed, who allows the disruption, the chaotic life of that child, of that creativity, of that which needs to be born, that ishaki tazria, the seed that bears the fruit, is powerful enough to hold that seed's time until it eventually opens. I was thinking, of course, about this very strongly this weekend as we honor Peter and Eleanor and Isabel. And one thing I was thinking was, 
Maybe the sin offering is the preemptive sin offering of the parents to the child for whatever is going to happen in the next, you know, 13 to 20 years, you know. Maybe the sin offering is, you know, every parent who brings a child into the world has to apologize to the child for having brought that neshama that sold down from some really beautiful place, maybe. Or maybe the sin offering here, which isn't a sin offering, which is a let's, let's get ready, let's continue, let's find a way. This offering, this chatat, is really an affirmation of the seeds bearing fruit. It's an affirmation of that power within each and every one of us that says, even though it will be painful, I will go forward. Even though it will hurt, life is more important than the pain that it carries. And that's a great lesson to teach our children. It's a great lesson to teach ourselves. Accept the weather and open the seed and find the fruit. God should bless each and every one of us with creativity beyond imagination. God should bless each and every one of us to be wary of that promise that says, if this is what it feels like to be born, then no thank you. God should bless us with the lamaz of the hearts, you know. <laughs> and let us say, Amen. <laughs> <laughs>